What's up, guys? This is PC, and this is your backstage pass to the Green Room Podcast Series. Hey, guys, this is PC, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Our guest today is someone that I have the utmost respect and admiration for. He's a member of the Jocelyn's Renaissance Hall of Fame, and he currently serves as a superintendent of USD 101 in Erie, Kansas. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Steve Wolf. Steve, how you doing, buddy? Hey, wonderful. Life is good here in the central part of the world. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, and we're just going to jump right into this thing, man. Talk a little bit about your background in education and how you got to where you are today. You know, my, my uh, dad was a guidance counselor and uh, hung around schools quite a bit, and I knew the That'd be a, a, an amazing way to make a difference in people's lives. And so um, I got into it after college and, uh, and taught for four years. Then I, was, I went to be a principal and I uh, was a principal for 18 years before I was a superintendent for the last oh, eight or so. I think, I think I just finished 30. If you add everything up, you should add up to 30. And so I've, I've done that for quite a while. I've uh, really uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm from a, the a rural environment in central Kansas and uh, have been a principal at, at large schools, but it's been a real blessing to be able to be a superintendent in uh, rural schools again. And, and it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to do. And, and I, I've had some neat experiences um, as far as uh, education goes uh, after my third year as a principal, it was a freaky thing. I was named uh, middle school principal of the year in Kansas and, and uh, which was a neat thing. Cause you know, basically I was just a kid. And in fact, my first my first, my first principal job, I was the youngest one in the building. My oldest teacher was 72, and uh, and she was a cheerleading sponsor. But uh, she didn't she didn't really like kids, but she hated her husband, so she kept teaching. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so uh, and then uh, shortly after that, I'd won the Milken National Educator Award and allowed me to kind of go and do what I wanted to do, and and uh, I've been doing that ever since. I love it, man. That's awesome. So, so, so cool. It's always great to listen to your wisdom. I absolutely just love that. And um, one of the very first times that I ever got to hear you speak and what really hooked me about you, I was in one of your sessions. It was at the Jocelyn's Renaissance National Conference, and you were telling a story about a teacher that you had that made a major impact on your life. And you said that she told you she was going to love you, and then she did. Talk a little bit about that and how that one teacher impacted the rest of your life and then your viewpoint towards education. Oh, yeah, Miss Hasslier. And then she had the audacity to get married. She says, now she's Mrs. Bevilacqua, and, uh, and, and she's still a dear friend, a wonderful, wonderful human being. And it was really interesting is she was a polio survivor, and, uh, and she came walking into our classroom with uh, legs and arms that were slightly disabled. And, uh, and I'd just come off a terrible year of school in, in, in fourth grade, and thought, super, I had that teacher last year, and I got this. And she was she was amazing, and she did that. She did three things. Uh, she was one of the original Renaissance teachers, and she didn't know it. Um, she had this box that we we're able to choose out of our reward, our recognition, our respect, the reinforcement. All came out of this cardboard Clorox box full of goodies. And uh, but when she told us she loved us, and that was the the main thing. Uh, and then she loved us. Love is a verb. Um, you know that that's an action thing. And uh, you know. Um, not that I'm a big Bible scholar, but there are three different types of love they call there, uh, have there. He goes eros and phileo and, uh, 
and agape. And, and she was definitely, there's a friendship love, but it's deeper than that. They're, they're kind of an agape thing where, where you know what, I'm going to love you anyway. I don't care what you smell like, what you look like, who your parents are, what you did right, what you did wrong. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you till you succeed. And, uh, and she did. And, uh, and that lady made a tremendous difference. She went on to, uh, um, when she got married, she stopped teaching and she started, um, adopting physically uh, mentally disabled kids kids that wouldn't live more than five or ten years and, and simply and truthfully love them to death and uh and so it you know she was a truly a special human being and i would be nothing without that woman so uh you know she was a pretty special individual and it, it's kind of neat for me right now because i get to talk here maybe someone else is out there listening that you know what you are someone's mrs bevilacqua miss haslauer very powerful. And, and like I said, I heard that story. That was the first time I ever heard you speak probably six or seven years ago. And it just, it totally, like it made such a huge impact on me and my perspective. And I, and I can't imagine, you know, the impact that it had on you. And then, like you said, the almost like the starfish effect of, you know, how many kids have been impacted on a national scale just from that one educator saying those things and, and providing those actions for you. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to invest your life in things that matter. And, uh, and as an educator, you get to do that. You're going to, you're going to touch the future. Fog Allen, who is one of the, you know, the great, uh, KU basketball coach and has an unbelievable lineage of coaches behind him. There's a statue that sits out in front of Fog Allen stadium at KU. And I'm a K state guy. This is hard to say, but, uh, um, they, the statue talks of a story that, uh, they asked him after a particular wonderfully wonderful year, they asked him, is this the greatest team you ever coached? And he said, well, I don't know. Ask me in 20 years when I see what kind of men they become. And you know, we're, we're builders of men. We're, we, that's what we do, uh, men and women, and that we, uh, we invest our lives in them. And we're not going to live to see everything that's happening, but I've got a piece of it. That's awesome, man. So as a superintendent, you've got a million things going on. You're getting pulled in a million different directions like all the time. Um, yeah. from, from an administrative perspective at central office, what do you do to ensure that you have an influence on the culture and climate on the schools in your district? We do get pulled all over. I'm not terribly bright. I think in Kansas, it's a constitutional uh, mandate that all superintendents have to have a double digit IQ. And, uh, you know, we have to be slightly stupid to even do this. And so, you know, we jump into it and it's, uh, uh, we do get pulled all over the place, but, the thing is, is you got, you got to look at, uh, what, what is your purpose and what is your passion? And, and you can't lose that just because you have to deal with all the millions of other things superintendents do. And, you know, what drives you and, uh, and the things that Renaissance stands for drives me. And, and those are, uh, and, and, you know, Renaissance, I, I'm going to speak, I get to speak to be, to the, uh, history of Renaissance at the, at the national conference. I'm kind of excited about that. You know, when it first started, it was kind of, Hey, Oh yeah, it's the card program. And, uh, that, that was what we call culture. And, uh, and, and boy, it's come such a long way from, from, uh, getting rewards, uh, through a card program. And, and we are the preeminent climate and culture conference and organization in the world for educators. And, uh, and so, I have to model that as a superintendent. Everything I do, every interaction I have with a kid, every interaction I have with a parent, every interaction I have with a patron, a student, uh, any any 
anybody in our district, I have to model what that looks like, how I treat people, how I love people, um, how um, decisions we make. Um, you know, I encourage people say yes, get an opportunity, say yes. You know, it may be a, you're going to run in some yeses that you're going to wish you said no, but you won't know until you try. So say, so I got to model that. So people come up to me and I want to try something. I may not think it's the greatest idea. Okay. Yes. Go for it. You know, uh, here's what I think will happen, but prove me wrong. And, uh, and so I have to model that as a superintendent, uh, and you set the climate and culture, you set it, uh, you can set it as a custodian. You, you, you can set that in your building, but it, and those people are special, but you, you've got a special obligation as a leader, whether you're a principal or whether you're a teacher, and especially if you're the superintendent of setting that model and that behavior of establishing that climate and culture. Climate and culture is the soil we plant everything else in. It's the dirt. Dirt matters. Dirt matters when you're planting things, and we're trying to grow amazing kids. Well, it doesn't matter what your curriculum is, what your teaching style is, anything else. If you do not have the soil to plant it in, it doesn't matter. So you need to back up, and first things first, climate and culture uh, in your classroom, in your school, and in your school district. I love it, man. And so you talked about saying yes into these new ideas. And that's one of my favorite things about you is that you're always willing to try these new things, especially if they're what's best for kids. And one of those things that you've done is a therapy dog that your entire school district uses. So tell the listeners how that came about and how it works and the level of success that you've had with that. You know, as an educator, you're looking for any way you can help kids be successful. You know, you'll try about anything to be successful. Well, I'd read about some people that are introducing animals in, in, into their classrooms. And, you know, I, I remember uh, I had a, a biology teacher from years back, and, and now he's he was actually assistant dean of education at KU. He was my football and track coach, and the one that really got me involved in my doctoral program. And he used to have this guinea pig. You know, kids were, he went on to be a principal and were upset and ready to end the world and tear the world apart. He'd hand them the guinea pig. Well, you can't be too terribly upset when you're sitting there petting a stinking guinea pig. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, hard, hard to want to punch someone out when you're, oh, this is a cute little fish at the guinea pig. And and, uh, and so he used that quite a bit. And uh, then I heard about people using therapy dogs. Well, you know, dogs, there's a wild, a wide variety. You know, you can have a dog that will be glad to bite you or a glad dog glad to lick you or love you. And uh, and so we discovered that there was a, a program where they actually become licensed and they have to be incredibly trained and, uh, and to be able to be so docile. And, uh, and the only, there's an organization in Kansas called cares that does that. And the only ones that they'll train, they train all kinds of service animals for professional therapy dogs. The only ones they would, uh, would train our, our Labrador retrievers and golden uh, retrievers because uh, that's the, the intelligence and temperament is there. They have to be able to lay there and let a cat come crawl all over them. They have to be the omega dog anytime. They can never be the alpha dog. And uh, and you put them with kids and it changes. You, you just walk them in a classroom. It changes the whole bearing of the classroom. When, um, you know, Now that I'm a superintendent, my dog moves around quite a bit, and I use him in a lot of different buildings. But when he's traveling with me, everywhere I go, it changes the atmosphere 
when he when that dog walks in. Uh, you know, the fact that I, I'm invisible. When I walk down the hallway with that dog, I am completely invisible. I could walk down there naked. I know that's a terrible vision, but uh, <laughs> but it's uh, the dog's naked, and uh, and it's uh, Benjamin. They love Benjamin. My original one was River, and he was amazing. But Benjamin, and they they loving him up, and and I I just disappear because you know they get they want to get their hands in that dog, and uh, so that's uh, uh, a huge thing for us, and it's made you know as you know you've heard story after story that I tell of the difference that that our, our therapy dogs have made. And uh, and you use them to create, you know, the, the worse they you smell, the better um, they know what to do. They're, they're in they have an innate ability to be able to, to lean in and want to love on kids and and make them feel important. And and uh, kids get their hands on the dog and their blood pressure immediately starts to drop and <clears throat> they start making better decisions and and uh, and open up and conversation. And so that's why you see them. More and more across the nation is uh, professional therapy dogs. I love it, man. That's so cool. Super cool. Um, what advice would you offer to an educator that's struggling with the profession? Maybe they're suffering from burnout or they've had a tough <coughs> stretch um, or they're, they're questioning if this is the right profession for them. What, what do you tell that educator? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I got a couple of pieces of advice. Um, one of them you may not hear anywhere else, but uh, uh, what – Part of it is you got to you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And uh, you got to hang out with the right educators and the people who lift you up that are going to give you good advice. You got to be open to advice. You know, if you aren't liking it, maybe there's some things that you could help you um, perform better or relate better with people. But the other part is this sometimes, sometimes you get into something maybe you shouldn't teach. Maybe, you know, we've all, you've known them. I've known them. What are you doing in education? For sure. And, uh, and, uh, you gotta find something. So what I encourage people to find your, your icky guy, find your thing that you, that in your life, that you can't wait for your feet to hit the ground in the morning and get going because this excites you. If it isn't teaching, find something that is. And, uh, and cause we'll find a teacher that that's their icky guy not to be able to run with. Uh, but if you're if you're running into burnout because of people, maybe it's a change of location, you know. And uh, as a superintendent, if I ever get a board that I've had, they're going to be around a while, and it's a board I don't enjoy work with, I'm going to consider going to some place where I'm going to enjoy because life is short. Sure. And, uh, and uh, so find make sure you're doing the thing that you love. Everybody has different gifts and abilities. And uh, when, when I uh, speak to college freshmen, every year I go to KU and talk to all the college freshmen interested in education. Not all of them are going to go into it. Say, when you leave here today, you may not be a teacher, but you got to be a supporter of those folks. you got to lift them up. And anything you can do to help education, you, you need to do. Uh, and so, uh, but, uh, but the climate and culture piece is huge. you got to find the right climate and culture. you got to find the right soil to plant yourself in. So don't be afraid to go where that soil is. I don't, you know, maybe it's a, it's a change of grade level. Maybe it's a you know, change of school. Um, but, uh, but find the right people to hang with, to lift you up, that will make you laugh, um, that'll, that some you know, people that you can enjoy being around. And then and, you know, go back and look. And it, I hate to say it, you're not, but not everybody is cut out to be a teacher. That's the truth. That's that's you've hit it right on right there, man. 
Um, I know that the centerpieces of your educational philosophy are love and relationships. How do you yep. balance those things with the expectations of producing high quality test scores? Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I'm not, my goal is not to make high quality test taking students. It just didn't, you know, when, when's the last time, well, you did, you just finished your doctoral program. So you had to take your, your uh, written and your oral exams. When's your next written oral exam you're going to have to take? <laughs> yeah, right. Hopefully not, yeah. not anytime soon. Yeah, no. When some of these kids get out of high school, when's the last, next? You know, I, I don't I don't care. When, when, when I'm looking 20 years to see what kind of men and women they come, become, it isn't about the state assessment. Um, and uh, if we're doing great things in the classrooms and, and they're sitting there in a, in a rich environment where – they're going deep, not just wide, and the culture set up to support that and that we reward, recognize, respect, and reinforce the things we want to see happen in their lives, not just on the paper or on the test. Their, their assessments are going to go up. Now, truthfully, I could spend a lot of time just focusing on that assessment. We could, we could do better than the assessment, but what I will have created was world-class test takers, not world-class human beings. And, and so... Uh, in our district, I, I'm just straightforward with our board and with the state and everybody else. And, and now our state gets it. In Kansas, we get it. That is down the – no child left behind, went out the window, and we're making sure we're making progress. It, 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 but uh, but our goal in Kansas is, is to be first in the world in creating amazing people. And, uh, and that that's not test takers. And so we, we may give a little bit on our test scores to be able to, to uh, make sure learning is actually happening. You know, that kids are able to uh, access, analyze, apply, and create. A lot of times that isn't covered on your state assessment in a bubble. Yeah, not the but, truth. But, but that's what they got to do. That's the, that's literacy today. It's access, analyze, apply, and create using the tools of the time. If you can do that, you're going to be pretty successful. If you, can, if you can do that within your area that you're passionate about. I love it, man. I can only imagine like how many teachers are listening to you and wishing that they worked in your school district just from hearing that answer right there. Because, I mean, you know, as well as I do, there's so much pressure on so many teachers all across the country, test scores, test scores, test scores. And it's like, how do we, you know, build in the relationship aspect of it? And, you know, just like you said, if you don't have the relationship in that soil, like you've talked about earlier, you can throw the test scores out the window. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how many how many kids have we known that have gotten 33s and ACTs, and uh, and they don't make it through one and a half years of college? Exactly. Yeah, they they don't. But you give me a work ethic, I'm good to go. You know, and that's part of the grit thing. Uh, you know, to be able to have purpose and passion, but then to, to work with them so that they're able to have that ability to stick to it. You know, and uh, you can't measure that on an assessment. Isn't that the truth? That's awesome, man. So we're, we're talking about love and we're talking about that fits perfectly with the title of your book that you released called Heart to Heart Teaching. Tell the listeners about that book and then where they can pick up a copy. You know, Heart to Heart Teaching is really uh, simply that, a philosophy of, of teaching from from your heart to their heart. You know, there's no, our people in general strive for connection. Our kids want to be connected. They want to know you. They want to know that you will love them and, the, and that, and that uh, you will open themselves up to you. You'll make yourself vulnerable to them. Um, and, and 
so that they get to know you. They, you know, there was a study back in 1985 and they had leadership where, um, where they asked about the things that, you know, kids want to know on the first day of school. Well, you know, naturally it's the, where, you know, am I in the right classroom? Where am I supposed to sit? What am I going to be doing this year? How am I going to be graded? What are the rules in this classroom? That's the first five, but six and seven is the heart of what we do is will you treat me as a human being? Will you love me anyway? And will I get to know you? And if you take care of those two things, the world's your oyster as a teacher. And that you really get it. You know, it's fun for me when I have a teacher that I know struggles a little bit. And uh, and usually they struggle because they haven't got to know the kids. And the, they'll ask me, hey, that's cool. Hey, what does that kid like to do for fun? What? Yeah, what does he like to do for fun? Oh, you don't know. Okay, hey, well, what do they want to be when they grow up? What? You know, okay, go go find out those things and then tell them what you wanted to be when you were that age. Then come back and talk to me. And, uh, you know, and so the heart to heart book is, is really it, it's a bunch of it, it, it's filled with stories. For one thing, I, I really think, you know, Mike Smith nailed it in that, you know, invest your life in stories, not stuff. And and I think Brene Brown said it perfectly about stories. She goes, uh, stories are research with a soul. And, uh, and so do not be afraid to tell your story, but remember you've got, and the book will hit this. You've got to earn the right to hear kids stories. They're not going to naturally share it with you because some of their stories are heart bending, tough, rough things. And, uh, they're not what, you know, and they've, they've had their heart ripped out. And so that you've got to earn the right to hear their heart, to hear their stories. And, and that's what the book, the book is about. And, uh, and you can get it on Amazon and, and uh, I think they're going to be selling some copies at the Justin's uh, Renaissance national conference. So um, it'll, uh, we're looking forward to, to keep that going. That's awesome, man. I love it. So a new educator just gets hired in your district. What advice do you give them? Uh, they got to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it, you know, some of them, do, you know, and they come and I, I go through a whole day with the spend time with them. And uh, and I can tell the ones that read the book and not read the book because the ones that have read the book, they don't last long in our district because uh, they don't get it. When, when they start doing things that were like their teachers did versus what I wanted to do. Uh, that So they're in my district. Yeah, you better have read the book. Uh, I, I hired a great middle school principal and uh and he was amazing. And, uh, and uh, one of the things in the interview when he walked in, he went right to my heart. And I found out later, he went and watched every video I ever put out before he came in for the interview. And, uh, he, and he nailed it. And, uh, but, but the things I speak about, the things I want to do as a new teacher, yeah, you better do those things though. You know, you better, uh, have a heart for kids and you, and you better understand that for kids living in a pop out camper, um, somewhere with no water and no electricity and you're upset about they're not getting their homework done you, you bet you got to think this through you know and, and and get to know know the kids so make sure you open yourselves up uh, make yourself vulnerable to to kids that but uh the other part of that is as a young teacher if you're a young teacher remember we may confuse you in the hallway for a kid kids may confuse you in the hallway for a kid as well don't fall in that you do not have to be cool uh back in, when i was young there was a, a tv show called welcome back cotter on tv and 
I know the guy that that was based off of. Um, he, he was a friend of mine. He passed away years ago. A guy named Kenny Hartman. But uh, um, he, uh, it, it was a funny show. John Travolta was in the thing, and it was it was a crack up. And and the kids he taught were the Sweat Hogs. And uh, and and as funny as it was, it was one of the worst things that ever happened in education because every new teacher thought they're going to be Gabe Kaplan in uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. And you can't do that. <laughs> you you can't be you know, they've got friends. They need a teacher and a teacher that loves them. Sure, and, uh, sure. and so you don't, you're not going to necessarily be their buddy. And, and they may want to be your buddy, but you've got to be their teacher. And to be able, as a young teacher, to be able to separate that out. Because otherwise, um, you kind of get yourself into trouble. So that relationship piece is huge. But it's got to be an appropriate relationship um, as a young teacher. And as you get older, I get away. You know, 54-year-old man. I can get away with a lot more stupid stuff than uh, than a kid that's 25 years old can. Isn't that the truth? That's great. I love it, man. Um, tell our listeners something that you're excited about for the upcoming school year. You know, one of the things that we've done in our in our uh, I started it in our school and it took off across the state and I think it's about ready to take off across the nation. Is we started this thing called Wild. And uh, wild is the FFA of getting kids outdoors and engaged in their environment. And uh, and so it, we have wild clubs at the elementary, at the wild clubs at the middle school, wild clubs at the high school. And they started in Erie and quickly went all across the state of Kansas. So we have this big state conference on wild and uh, where teachers come and then student leaders. And, and next year it'll be turned over to students just like FFA is. We'll have state officers, the whole thing. And that's all going great. But. We started looking in Kansas, never before have teachers been beat up like they have now and disrespected. And we we have got to lift them up. And so we're creating a thing. We're tying our renaissance in the wild um, called Wild Hearted Teachers. It ties, in, ties into heart to heart and the, and the wild and into that relationship piece. And what we're what we're doing, my next book I'm working on is called Going Tribal. And um, and and. For, it's for educators and uh, and really creating that that environment. So what we're putting together, we're going to run a, a trial run with 20 educators in the end of July. They come in on that um, first day, and and, uh, and then they uh, they stay clear through the next day after lunch. And in uh, that time, it's a relationship building, and we really focus on on purpose and passion. But you know, and, and something that and. and it's going to end a Nikki guy, but you know, Mike Smith really brings up um, the point for what you stand. Well, part of it is for what you stand, but the other part is this. I think that the next step beyond for what you stand is for who you stand. And, uh, and to me, that's the thing. I've had a real hard time making that picture at my feet of what I stand because more important than that is, is for who I stand. I love it. And now Mike has it tattooed on his shoulders for who i mean on his, on his arms for who he stands and and so if you don't know mike smith out there you got to get no mike mike is you know mike mike is almost as cool as i am <laughs> uh, a, no you know mike smith on my coolest coolest day i'm poxy compared to thinking mike smith so uh but he but he uh he, he has some great things to say but uh but you know for what you stand and be able to create that is very important, but we're going to take that next step for who they stand. And then in that with uh, really creating their icky guy on, on, on through the relationships they have with the other educators there and creating that tribe also is what 
are you doing and how can you enhance on what makes you so excited you can't wait for your feet to hit the ground in the morning to get going that's awesome man i'm excited just listening to you talk about it like that's awesome good stuff so anyway we these first 20 teachers and we'll get some feedback from that and if it if it works how we think it's going to work, then we're going to take off with it and just open that up to other people. And, and we're going to try, I'm trying to get enough support. I want to make this thing as free as possible. Sure. And made it free. And while we've gotten some tremendous support, I, uh, it was like Bass Pro is about to go in pretty big. So is Cabela's and uh, with, with what we're doing. And, and so far, all my money I've, I've made from my book, I pour right back into wild. That's super cool, man. Big time stuff. So, you said you got 30 years in education. So looking yeah. back on, on where you started. I started when I was 12. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to the beginning, if you could go back and talk to your first year educator self, what words of wisdom would you tell yourself? You know, Frankly, I, I feel like I did so many of the right things. I found a mentor. I found a principal mentor when I was a teacher because I knew I wanted to be a principal. And uh, Chuck Sodergren, and, and uh, he's a friend of mine on Facebook. He writes every night. Go be a friend. The whole world, go find Charles Sodergren on Facebook and friend him or follow him. He writes every night on Facebook. And it's the most hilarious, insightful stuff you've ever run in. I, we play, he planned it so he took his break at my plan period every day. And we would sit and we would philosophize with each other. And, the, and one of the, the things I learned right away from him is to take what you do very seriously. But do not take yourself seriously at all. And so I had so many of the right things. I made so many of the right moves. If I had to do it all over again, though, is I have no fear of taking on the next thing. In fact, I look forward to it. And uh, whatever's next, go. And, and so, you know, I may have moved around a, a little too much. Don't be afraid to, to build some roots. Um, I feel like I've built roots in Kansas, and, and I've, got, I've been able to earn the respect and, and um, love and everything else of, of people. But uh, but people are constantly worried about when I'm going to leave them because I'm you know, next. Here we go. Let's take the next challenge. Let's go. And so as a young educator, don't get in a big hurry, but find that mentor, man. Find the right mentor. Don't hang out with that. We are we are arc builders. And, and that that's the truth of who we build arcs for kids. You are that, you know, we no more prizes for, for predicting rain prizes only for building arcs. And um so find those people as young educators. I would I would have probably spent a little more time finding people that are as passionate Iowa as I am about it to be able to keep going. I just happened to run into some good people, and I had a, had a, had great mentors. And, and and here's the other thing: is who's your mentor today? I, I got to constantly keep looking for people to lift me up and uh, that I can follow and that I can learn from. And so you know, they may not know it, but. You know, I'll say, hey, you know what? You're my mentor and you have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome, man. Well, Steve, I love you. It's talking about mentors, like you're definitely one of mine and somebody that I look up to. And, and like I said, like you, you mean the absolute world to me and you motivate me and you inspire me. And I just thank you so much for your time and for being a part of the show here this morning. Hey, love you too, Phil. Give your wife a hug for me. I sure will, man. Guys, you've been listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Thanks for tuning in. Chase your dreams, kids. Thank you.